who is my neighbor thing is about to wrap up. If the Lord helps us, we will finish this this morning. And uh, we're going to deal with where exactly is my neighbor. And I want to I go to uh, a curious passage in the book of Acts. This is a part of history. This is part of our church history uh, on the very early end of history. I usually refer to this part of the development of the church as the primitive church age but it's in Acts the 8th chapter and let me just read this to you and you can follow uh, on the screen now an angel of the Lord said to Philip go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza so he started out and on his way He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So let me just jump on this and say, get with number one, who is, who is this Philip? Well, he is a person who is ready to serve. In Acts, the sixth chapter, the apostles, the leaders of the very primitive church, the first uh, bunch of right after Jesus' ascension, had gotten all kinds of chores put upon them in addition to searching the scripture, waiting in prayer, and and preaching and teaching. So they called the people together and said to the church, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. And he was chosen as one of these uh, seven men. He was uh, obviously a servant because that's what the word deacon means. And it comes from, the word just simply means servant. He not only is ready to serve, but he was full of wisdom, part of the qualifications uh, had to do with this this person being full of wisdom. 
he was in tune with God. This is full of the spirit and wisdom. So he was in tune with God and is an outstanding man. Now, um, number two, Philip had a sense of being sent. He was first of all chosen to serve as a deacon. And then we read in the the first part of the book of uh, the chapter 8 of the book of Acts on that day and that's the day that Stephen one of the other deacons was martyred on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria so Philip was sent and he was sent by circumstances it was like the leaders of the church just told the church Go away, go somewhere where you have family, where you have friends, where you can stay because they're going to kill you if you stay here in town. So he went down uh, and if you walk everywhere you go, everywhere from Jerusalem is down. Now on the map, it's up and we who don't walk very far much think in terms of when you go north you're going up but this is down up north (laughs) and because the uh, elevation of Samaria was lower than Jerusalem and so you would you would have that in mind now when he got to Samaria he was a preacher of the gospel and a healer God gave him an anointing to not only preach the word of God, but sick people begin to get well. As they were doing this, it changed the whole uh, atmosphere. The ambiance was was charged with the power of God, and it seemed like in Samaria it was really a good time to come to Jesus. Have you ever witnessed to people? or talked about God loving them and it seemed like it was just a good time. I think we forget those parts and remember when we were doing the same thing and it seemed like the atmosphere in the room was, it's a really bad time to go to Jesus and nobody moves. I don't know what you remember. I hope you're remembering the good things, but uh, I can remember some of both. He was uh, on the Gaza Road now as an evangelist and there is a there is a map that i hope we can see so that you get a picture nope can't see it well <laughs> if you were standing this close it'd be real easy uh jerusalem is where there's a little crossroads and if you have incredibly good eyesight you can read jerusalem uh, then up in the in the boulder type where it says Samaria, there is a little word you can't read. That's Sebasti, which is the modern word for uh, uh, Samaria. Okay. Now we are having an incredible revival, powerful stuff going on. Just leave that map up, please. Powerful stuff going on in Samaria. I mean, it's like the whole town turns to the Lord. They're getting healed and. Uh, the apostles come down from Jerusalem. Notice I, you know, I did that correctly. Came down north. Anyway, get over it. 
Maybe that's what you're saying to me. Uh, <clears throat> the apostles come down, lay their hands on them, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they're, just, they're having this knock-down, drag-out Pentecostal revival with people getting saved and healed and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And right square dab in the middle of that, you know square dab? The Holy Spirit says, I want you to go down to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he goes back up to Jerusalem, which is south from Samaria and back to Jerusalem where there's sort of a crossroads. And then he bears to the south uh, west and goes over toward the Mediterranean Sea, over toward Gaza. And that's where he runs into this um, guy from Ethiopia who is... uh, And you can take that map down. Uh, I'll get help next time when I need a map. I just draw it myself. I don't know. (laughs) It'd be as as useful. But uh, the Gaza Road led him to an encounter with this government official from Ethiopia. This guy is well healed because he's not walking. He is, he is in a limo, and uh, he also has in his possession a very valuable item, which is a scroll of Scripture, the book of Isaiah. And so he was, he was a big dog in Ethiopia and was a Jewish believer uh, in, in Yahweh and keeping the covenant he had come in for uh, Passover and then stayed for Pentecost and uh, just hung out a while and worshiped and and probably went to uh, some rabbinical schools went to for some teaching and he ended up buying this uh, scroll gets it into his uh, limo that in this passage is called a chariot but understand the level of transportation that he's on here. And uh, he's not driving himself, so you know it's a limo. So Philip then is told to leave this wonderful, incredible Pensacola kind of outpouring revival and go to the road. And the road to Gaza is kind of barren. It goes through a, a, a what's known as the, it's the north uh, west edge of the Judean wilderness, and so it's it's uh, it's it doesn't make any sense. But he shows up there, and he becomes an evangelist and a pastor, because the Holy Spirit gives him an audience of one, from a whole city to an audience of one. Now I want you to I want you to get the picture of what's going on here. Last week we talked about distance swimming. And some of you go to the pool in, in pool season in, this, in middle America and you swim laps. And I suppose that I can understand that. I've never been motivated to do that. If God helps me, I'm not ever going to swim laps. If you see me swimming laps in a pool, you say, the Lord left him. But it's kind of like running. I used to run and we'd get up... 4.35 in the morning to uh, run five days a week. And that was absurd. 
and it ruined a knee and you know whatever but uh, you do need to take you need, do need to do uh, the aerobic exercise I'm please do that just don't take out a joint while you're doing it now this this guy that we're talking about was not a distant swimmer and you remember last week we contrasted a distant swimmer that might swim in the Pacific from Catalina to to uh, the west coast Catalina Island or from the British Isles to the mainland in Europe we talked about that and then we talked about what we are doing as Christian people who that the Lord is calling we're talking about who is our neighbor how do we relate to him how do we do the work of God what we are doing here dear one is like a surfer now a surfer has training he is he or she is uh, they have to be a good swimmer they have to do this equipment stuff they have to know where to go to get the waves and so forth but what they do is not a a power and endurance deal like a long-distance swimmer. It is going out where there's going to be some good waves. And if it's in Southern California, you're going to have to wear uh, all or part of a wetsuit because the water's so cold. Other parts of the world, it's not so bad. But I'm, I'm visualizing the West Coast. And, there, the, you know, the waves there are not that wonderful most of the time. And the water is really cold. I used to play in that, just play in the surf without any wetsuit or anything. And I think, I'm not near that tough. Or else I'm not near that stupid. I don't, you know, whichever it is. But the surfer goes out there and positions himself and waits. Now, the little bit of time that I have spent in the surf in Southern California... Those waves come together. And if I could ride one in and get back out, they would come in sevens, it seemed to me like. And then I was just out there for a while. Now, this is what the Lord does in using us to be a neighbor to people who are lost, that if the Holy Spirit doesn't change their lives, they will go to hell. And I want you to just get that in your mind. This is important stuff, church. We're not talking about, well, they, you know, they'll have an inferior place in heaven. No, if they don't come in through Jesus Christ, they'll have an inferior place, but it's not in heaven. Does anybody believe that? You know, if you're going to believe the scripture, go ahead and believe that. That is a huge part of the deal. As a matter of fact, that is why Jesus came. That's the negative. That's the downside of why Jesus came and died is to do away with the necessity of going to hell eternally. You don't have to. You do not have to do that. It is not mandatory anymore. Because Jesus came. And we are the ones who are supposed to get between the lost people and hell and head them off. The best way to do it in Western culture now is to just love them because they don't trust 
if they think you're a fundamentalist Christian, that means you're a weirdo, politically right-wing extremist and cannot be trusted and you, you might just blow up an abortion clinic. You know? That's, we've, we've, we've made a wonderful thing for ourselves here in this culture. And the enemy has helped us. And the world has jumped on it and just enjoyed it. Because if they can make us wrong, then maybe God doesn't require something from them. Now, if you are one of those who just feels that way about uh, the church that believes that the word of God, you know, Sheila Wilkie just stood up here and, and laid it on the line. The whole Bible, all of it, all of it is the word of God can be trusted. Did you know you were in such a place? Are you sure you fit? If you don't, I have good news for you. There is hope for you too. Oh, I'm sorry, that was a little sarcastic, wasn't it? And I'll be glad that it wasn't even more sarcastic because I suffer from that disease and am, and am as yet uncured. But uh, the fact is, we have a job to stand between people and whatever they think about the church, whatever they think about Jesus, we have a job to stand between them and hellfire because that's what we're about. We were saved to do good works. And we all have different gifts and the Holy Spirit puts us in the church so that we can be a part of building up the church. But ultimately, we must fill up in our body that which is lacking of the sufferings of Christ Jesus. And if you've read the scripture, I hope you were saying, lacking. I thought Jesus finished it. I thought it was complete. Well, the program is, it's, it's the PR work that's incomplete. And we fill up in our bodies the communication chore of bringing what Jesus did, who he is, and what he died about to everyone. And that's who we are. That's what Crown Point is about. We are not here. Our first obligation is not to make a wonderful place for your children, grandchildren, youth, and adults, old folks. To be cared for. That's large part of what we are about. But that's not number one. The priority is evangelism. It is Jesus Christ crucified. Risen from the dead. Coming again. And reaching out for every one of you. If you don't believe the Bible. He's still reaching out for you. And if you think we're a bunch of. Uh, right wing radical weirdos. He is still reaching out for you. He loves you. And church, don't ever get confused. Our job is to position ourselves in every circumstance to catch the wave that will take us into the program of God, whether it's a city or whether it's an individual. You say, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Now, in Samaria, this Philip was a preacher and a healer. On the Gaza Road, he is an evangelist and pastor. On the Mediterranean coast, we see him later in the book of Acts. He is an apostle and he settles down in a stable neighborhood and raises four daughters to be prophets. And I now I'd started to do number three a minute ago. Now, number three, we say, I could never do that. 
And I agree. I can't either. We say that assignment is too difficult. It is. Who can save a soul but Jesus? No one comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws him. Who is it that can do that? We say, I, I, I'm too green. I agree. I don't care if you're 400 years old, you're too green. Because this is eternal life stuff. But dear one, it is not the surfer that makes the wave that takes them to the shore. We hope having a great deal of fun and they arrive safely. We, you know. It is not the surfer that does that. It is not up to you. It is not up to me. We do not have what it takes. You're right about that. It's too difficult. You are too green. But oh, friend, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Ride the wave. Let the Holy Spirit take you. Now, I told you the story once about how we think things ought to be done. <clears throat> Pastoring in, in southern Oklahoma, and uh, I, I, had, I had some experiences that made me just sick and tired of just trying to treat people as if they were just wonderful and they just, they didn't need the Lord particularly. You know, and it's like the glad hand of, of the southwest part of the U.S. and that, that can be so kind and so affirming and it can be really death dealing if you won't tell people they're lost. So I finally just came to the conclusion, I am not going to invite people to my church. I am going to invite them to my Savior. And I was just felt so holy about that and so good because of some experiences I'd had. And I, I, I liked it. So a gal, a petite woman, and a, and a little guy, Mary, and her son, little Jimmy. He was a junior. Came to church on a Sunday morning. And responded to the invitation, gave their heart to the Lord. So that week I went over to their house and in my mind, I'm, I, you know, I got to go witness to Papa. Because where there's a junior, there's a senior. And I got, to, I got to get Big Jim. And he wasn't very tall, but he was a lot taller than his son. And so I go over there. And I'm not going to talk about coming to church. And I'm not going to talk about the weather. I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ. Bless your heart. And so I come in and the wave arrives about the same time I do. And the wave looked like a neighbor. And he, with Jim, were talking bird hunting. And they were looking, they were showing each other their shotguns. And man, I just jumped right in there and just rode that wave and time for me to leave came the neighbor had left and, and I, I didn't have any sense whatsoever to share and so I said Jim um, Mary and little Jim came and gave their hearts to the Lord Sunday and we would love it if you would and here it is come to our church I'm not going to do that I'm not going to invite people to my church I'm going to invite them to Jesus come to our church and with that, I turned and walked out the door. It had gotten dark, almost dark. It was dusk. And as I stepped off of that porch, walked across the yard to my car, 
It was just like stab. Well, you did it again. Well, that's not the end of the story. Sunday morning, Big Jim came with his wife and son, gave his heart to the Lord. Well, that made me feel a little better. And then the story emerged. Mary goes home the previous Sunday, tells her husband what she and and his son have done. And Big Jim says, that preacher is going to come over here and try to convert me. And I'm going to throw him out. So you see the wave was shut newbie's mouth. That was the wave. And you know, basically, I was right in my decision to not just, oh, come to my church. Come to Jesus is the right thing. That's a basically good decision. Don't act like it's scripture, okay? Because you're not dealing with scripture. You're dealing with lost folks. Every one of them is different from the very next one. And the Holy Spirit needs to put a wave under your board and carry you himself into this ministry. And dear one, those people were in that church when we left. This, this is the work of God. This is why we were there. And the Lord had to shut me up. But he sent a wave and it was in the form of a neighbor and some, some bird guns and yaggity, 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 yak about birds. And that's really holy and I was proud of myself that night. But the next week, I was full of joy. And it always kind of, I know how smart I am. I've pulled other things like that in my life. And so I basically know how really brilliant I am. And it's such a blessing to me when I see God is not intimidated or put off by my stupidity and my blockheadedness and my insistence that everybody has to come in my way on my time schedule. He can just set me aside and go ahead and save them in spite of me. And he does it so smoothly. He does such good work. Now, if you think you're, it's too difficult for you, you're right. You're too green, you're right. But don't put God in a box that he can't put a wave under your board and carry you exactly the way he wants you, where he wants you to do the thing that will glorify his name and bring revival, whether it's to a city or whether it's to an individual. He can do it. And he's wanting to do it. He loves you. He loves the lost people. And do you know, there is one thing that I want you always to keep in your mind when we're talking about Evangelism. We're talking about winning people to Jesus. We're talking about giving our testimony of what God has done in our lives. I want you to know that if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. Jesus left the local church. And that's God's answer to depopulating hell. That's God's answer to the lostness of mankind. The local church church and the gifts that are in it that's all there is what else is there that's we are it you say that's a heavy load it is a heavy load but remember that this is not a (laughs) this is not a sprint swim nor a long distance swim this is a surfboard ride 
Get yourself in position to see that. Get yourself in position to be ready. Prepare yourself. If the water's cold, get a wetsuit. If the, if the surf is really, really rough, get one of those little harnesses that you tie to your ankle and tie to the board so you don't have to, you can kind of get, when you get knocked off, because not all of these rides are successful. <laughs> You've noticed that too. So you can get back on the board and get back in position for the wave to come. And let me make one more point before I, before I give you some stuff that God is putting together in this church. My experience on, on those waves off the California coast of sorting, of sort of coming in sets. The other part of that is that there's a long wait in between those sets. And you just wait and wait. We did that as a congregation. When God was preparing us to move from a, a location that set, sits on the uh, West Raytown Kansas City City Limit line on 5th Street. And he was about to move us here. It seemed like a long wait. God did good things. Our kids were doing well. Our children were doing well. Our marriages were doing well. And this is, these are generally speaking, of course. But I was getting tired. I was getting a complex I can't get anybody to the Lord. I can't even get them to come to my church. And that's, that's a bad feeling. It wasn't entirely true, but it's entirely true that was my feeling. And then he, he puts us out here on this hill. And people walk in that we've never seen before. We've never invited. Sometimes it's not even from our mailings or from the website or from... Some ad here or there. Sometimes they're driving up the street and the Holy Spirit says you need to go in there. Now we are in one of those sets of waves. But if you ever go through where you're waiting for the wave and it's like nothing will happen. Don't throw yourself away and don't say I am no good to the kingdom of God. Keep growing in the Lord. Keep preparing yourself for the wave. It's coming. That's an encouraging word, church. Uh, I don't know whether you're asleep or maybe you're saying amen and my hearing is going. I am, you know, I am a year older now. Um, here's what the Lord is doing for us. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, which uh, normally is seven days before Easter. That happens every year. Thank you. Thank you for that giggle. I appreciate that so much. There was one and a half giggle, but it's better than nothing. We are preparing and, and the fine arts department working really, really hard. We on the staff have had quite a bit of in input and activity to prepare a two-Sunday deal. Go ahead and bring your lost folks next Sunday, but if you can... Get people to come to your church. I have grown out of the thing where you can't invite people to church. You have to nail them and make them make a decision for or against Jesus today. You don't have to. Ride the wave. And Easter is, is, an, is an outreach that is... And people will come to church on Easter that won't come any other time of the year. Milk it. Don't, it's, it just comes once a year. Don't let it go by. 
without you getting those that, that you've been praying for and uh, trying to have relationships so that they can trust you and go to your church. And that's, by the way, we have door hangers. And uh, they are somewhere. Here it is. They look like this, and they're on the uh, info center. Now, my, my MO is to take 12 or 15 of these because it takes 12 or 13 of these just to do the... We live on a cul-de-sac just to do the houses in our cul-de-sac. It's kind of a deep cul-de-sac. So it's got about 12 or 13 homes. And I go, ring the doorbell, and uh, hope they're home because otherwise I don't speak to my neighbors. We're very friendly. We're a wonderful, warm neighborhood. We act nice to each other when we're going to the mailbox. You know, I mean, it's like, hello. But anyway, so this is a chance to actually see them. And if they're not there, you can hang it on the doorknob. That's what I do. I recommend that. Uh, if you live in a neighborhood that does not want to see you, do this after dark. <laughs> but do it. And uh, a lot of preparation is going on for this. And this, this is so exciting. I, 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 love, um, I love what we're going to do next Sunday. It is so much fun to look forward and see what God is doing in our hearts. And, and it's fun. The other thing is that we, when we came out here from over in the Raytown area, we believed that God wanted us to to build a sanctuary. And usually when you go and build a a new facility from scratch on a vacant vacant piece of land, you go with a multipurpose room. Well, we'd had one of those for like 21 years. And so I was just thinking multipurpose room in my mind. Somebody... Several said to me, Pastor, couldn't we have a sanctuary? And my first reaction was, I mean, you, you, we got to have multi-use stuff, you know. We, you, you don't use one of those enough. You got to have multi But, you know, somewhere along the line, there was enough wisdom or pressure or whatever it was to pray. So I started talking to the Lord about it. And it seemed like that was the right thing to do. And the board concurred. And so when you build a sanctuary and you're starting the whole deal from scratch, you have to squeeze, unless you just got lots and lots and lots of money, you have to squeeze space out of other areas, which is what we did. So now, hallelujah, the Lord has blessed us. And the places where we squeezed, those places are squeezing people that need space. And this is a wonderful problem. I've had different kinds of problems in my years as a pastor. This is the kind to have. This is where you want to be. And so we have a couple more phases for this building development. And the next phase is projected as a, as a wing going out to the south. Uh, not dissimilar in size, perhaps a little larger, but not terribly unlike the wing that goes out to the east. And uh, just this past week, we chose an architect and we chose a contractor to lead us in that. Now, we haven't even started the interviews that will decide what we're going to do ultimately with that space and how it's going to be managed. But it's it's an exciting time. And with an eye to this time coming as we begin to build 
actually build, and, and there's a good possibility, dear one, we can break ground this summer. I mean, it, it's just a good possibility. Well, we set up a capital campaign, and we have some of the most dynamite people that ever drew breath as leaders. Our co-chairman of this are uh, Helen Tuber and Jim Esposito, and they have a ton of uh, committee people, leaders of organizations that are doing different things. And today, we are going to give you, as you go out on your way to pick up your door hangers, right outside each exit is a table, and you can get a, a brochure that describes what we're doing and will answer many, many of your questions. I don't know that come close to answering them all, but it'll answer many, many of them. And we need you to uh, sign one of those out because we want to make sure every member of the congregation has one. Our, our kind of main motto right under the surface of this deal, which is imagine, that's the big one up here, but right under that, the motto is the power of everyone. The power of everyone. Some of you have just lost your job. And to talk about a capital campaign is like, well, just slap me while I'm down, okay? And to talk about it a lot is to just kick me while I'm down. Well, that's not what this is about. Because there are people who have not lost their job and will survive this this wonderful time that we're in as a nation economically. You're going to survive it. It's going to be all right. And God's going to take care of the rest of us if, if, even if our income is messed with or eliminated. God is, God is our source, not the job. Don't get confused about this. This is kind of like you having to propel that, that surfboard, you know. Well, if you can get a, a little tiny motor, I guess you could put a trolling motor on there. And propel that thing. Only we want to go faster than a trolling motor. So just don't even put any motor on your surfboard. That's not what they're for. They're to catch the wave. And the, the wave of the Lord is continuing to come in. And we want everyone to have a part. So please uh, just sign one of those brochures out. Uh, table at each exit. If you think it's going to, the line's going to be too long at the center one, go to the north or south one. But get one and begin to pray. And if you are a family, begin to draw in the family members to pray with you, God, what do you want us to do? It's the power of everyone. 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 And that is going to take us where we need to be. Because church, it's not a matter of some slick deal um, where I would say to my colleagues, boy, we're in a building program, as if that makes me special. Uh, that makes me at risk for my health and <laughs> my sanity. And Not really. This, this bunch, we've had a couple building programs, and this bunch is incredibly wonderful to work with, the leadership and all of you. But it's not some deal to boast about. It's position us for the next wave. 
we got to get this surfboard. And this is not a baby surfboard. we got to get this surfboard out where it needs to be so it can catch the next wave. And when we do that, you're going to like what God does. You're going to like the souls. You're going to love it that we get these people that don't know how to act in church and we have to teach them. You know, they don't, they've never been to church. I remember one testimony, and I'll close. This guy was giving his testimony about he never, his dad had had a bad experience with the Catholic Church over the marriage to, a, to the wife who was originally a Protestant, and they excommunicated him. And so this dad made it his expressed and effective policy to keep his son out of church. Out of church. Well, finally, uh, getting past mid-teens, he went to church. Um, no doubt the Holy Spirit was drawing him. That wave that was carrying him in there, however, was word about, go check out the girls. Sounds holy, doesn't it? It's kind of like me and, and Big Jim, you know. Big Jim, won't you come to church? Anyway, he went and it was a... It was a church with worship like ours. So he wasn't put off. He'd never been to church before. He thought this is the way church was. And he got saved and became a minister. And we just met him a few weeks ago through this capital campaign thing. It's, that's it. You remember that story? Isn't that a great story? Man, I love that. Catch the wave, church. And you're going to need to perhaps catch a wave in your finances. You're going to need to catch a wave in your faith to just even consider your finances wherever you are. Get in position because the Lord is sending waves. May we pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you have heard us and that you are here today. And would you by your spirit prepare our hearts as a congregation for more evangelism. Lord, I ask you to turn our life groups into nurseries for baby Christians. Give us so many newborns in the kingdom of God that we can't even process them through 101, 201, 301. We, we keep, there's, not even, there's just not room. And you've prepared these, these home group leaders, these life group Facilitators, they, they know how to do this. And Lord, I ask you to just make it happen. Just fill us so full of brand new people in Jesus Christ that that will be what takes place. Now, Lord, for those that have not caught the wave to even bring them to yourself, would you speak to them this morning? Before they leave this room, may they come to knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for it. Would you remain with your heads bowed? It is obvious I have spoken to Crown Point Church this morning. This is about people who believe in Jesus. This, is, this whole sermon has been to those who have faith in the Lord. And if you're not ready to stand before God... Just because I didn't preach to you, you might just count your blessings. But let me tell you that God loves you and will put his arm around you today and will draw you up on his lap, will forgive every sin you have ever committed, will come into your life with power to live for him, 
and will start you on a walk that will end up taking you into eternal life in heaven with Christ Jesus. And if you need that, that's who you are and where you are, would you just raise your hand? I'm not walking with God. I need him. Just raise your hand up. I'm looking for your upraised hand before we leave. After all, this is what we're about. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, dear one, if you're, if you're afraid to identify yourself as such, I, I can understand that. that. That does not stand between you and a God who loves you. Because the door is not raising your hand in this room. The door is God's love for you. Cry out in your heart. Don't let this day go by. You may have some basketball to watch or whatever you're going to do today. Don't let this day end without crying out to God, asking him to forgive you, to come into your life. He'll do it. He will do it. He loves you. Jesus came about this. And he loves you dearly.